I've gone back to simple is because I don't need anything complex to get what I want out of training. The question is, what do I want out of training? What is training? What problems are walking into gyms? And this gets almost weird. I'm going to try not to make it weird. And this is a whole this is a whole different interview. But in, in, in my in my healing and in my evolution as a human being, I've come to to realize that people are coming into a gym to fix spiritual problems. For lack of a better word, I know spiritual is a real, really weird word. So maybe we can call it spirit emotional, where it's your emotions, your spirit, whatever it is. Okay. Bottom line is, when people are overweight, why are they overweight? Because they overeat. Okay. Oh, it's an education issue. No, it's not an education issue because everybody that overeats knows that they're overeating and they know that what they're overeating is not good. So it's not an educational issue. No, nobody here thinks that Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's is conducive to a lean body that's healthy. Nobody on this planet at this point, certainly not the people coming in to get personal training who are for the most part educated. So why are they overweight? They're overweight because they're addicted to food and usually of all the foods, you're not addicted to protein, you're not addicted to fiber and you're not addicted to vegetables and vitamins. You're addicted to sugar which depending on which study you, you, you read is much more addictive than to, to heroin and that's even free. You know, heroin costs money and you can go to jail. Sugar is free. So people are stressed out for many reasons. The question is why? Well, were they mistreated as a little baby? Did they lose their girlfriend or their husband? Whatever it is, they've got emotional and spiritual issues that they try to quash with substances. Okay, or processes. You can be addicted to a process and you can be addicted to a, a substance. People that come in are addicted to substance, which is food. Food is chemical, man, like cocaine, like a Valium, like a like a, a Oxycontin. It's it's a it's it's a it's it's a chemical and it has huge impacts on, on the brain. So when somebody's, you know, sitting at 10 o'clock and they're going, all right, my life sucks or I'm not happy or I don't have I'm happy the way I look. I'm not making enough money, whatever it is that's tormenting them. They soothe themselves with either a beer, scotch, um, you know, pot, uh, food, rice, ice cream, whatever. When you do that for 10 years, bro, you're 30 pounds overweight. Then you come to Carlos and say, you know, show me uh, some good training techniques or you go to CrossFit. I need to drop 20 pounds. Why is the weight loss industry an utter failure three, three years out if they've dropped the weight three years out, everybody, like 95% failure rate. Why? Because they can't sustain, they cannot sustain the non-addiction. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning was Juan Carlos Santana, the guest for this episode. And this is a special flashback episode. But before I go into the full introduction, just a little brief reminder. If you're enjoying All About Fitness, if you like what you hear here, do me a favor. Please reach down and either hit subscribe or give, a, give the podcast a review. I'm an independent content producer. I'm doing this by myself. I'm literally recording this in my closet. You can hear my guests sometimes mention that when we talk. The closet can be the most effective home recording studio. Point is, I'm doing this myself. Reviews help me get noticed. They help me jump up in the search rankings. They help other people get the benefits of this podcast. So if you're enjoying what you learn on All About Fitness, 
please share it with others by hitting and giving it a 5, 10, 20-star review so others can find out about it. This is a special flashback episode. As I mentioned before, I started the podcast a few years ago, but I didn't really get serious about it until about 2017, and it was in 2017 where I started trying to put up four interviews a month, about one a week. Before that, I was kind of muddling around, learning my way around the podcasting game, and as I've grown the podcast, I want to bring some of these interviews back because they're really good content. It always surprises me in the fitness industry. Every year, we're like, well, what's new in fitness? What's new in fitness? What's the newest trend? Is it this? Is it that? Guys, the human body's been doing exercise the same way for thousands of years. We got to get out and move. If you want to get stronger, you got to lift something heavy. If you want to be able to run further, you got to get out and run. Very simple stuff. Very, and I hate to use this word, but very basic stuff. It doesn't matter if this interview is three years old. It doesn't matter if this interview is 30, well, maybe 30 years old, because we have a lot more data now than we did 30 years ago. However, all that aside, this is still quality content with one of the people that really motivated me to get into doing what I'm doing today. Back in the early 2000s, I was a fitness instructor, a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, working with clients, teaching classes, and Juan Carlos was one of the biggest influencers on my career. You went to a conference and you would see Juan Carlos teaching people how to do circuit training, doing workouts. Juan Carlos was talking about metabolic conditioning and high-intensity interval training 20 years ago. He was applying that information way before a lot of other people. And just as a little side note, up until the early 2000s, high-intensity interval training was exclusively the domain of professional athletes or elite-level athletes. I mean that up until the early 2000s, about the only people who really did high-intensity training were people preparing for sports, whether at the amateur or professional level. Yes, there was some high-intensity training going on in the fitness industry. Yes, there were some good trainers and coaches like Juan Carlos who learned how to apply it, and he taught others like me how to do it. So it was getting out there. But if you read the early research, and I've read some of this research, back in the late 90s, there was actually one study that said this is great stuff. High-intensity interval training is great stuff. But it doesn't apply to the average person because they won't be able to do it because it's too tough. It's too challenging. Well, Juan Carlos is one of the people who turned that around and he showed that the average person can do high-intensity exercise. More than that, Juan Carlos' studio, the Institute of Human Performance, is down in Boca Raton, Florida. And what's Boca Raton specialized in? Older adults. So Juan Carlos has been specialized in high-intensity exercise for older adults for a lot, long time. And that's one of the things we talk about today. We talk about functional training. We talk about strength training. We talk about metabolic conditioning. And if you're not quite sure what those terms are, or if you're always looking for new exercise ideas, or if you just want to learn more about the human body and how the human body adapts to exercise, well, guess what? You're in luck. Go down below in the show notes. Look at what we have down there. I have a couple ebooks. I have Dynamic Anatomy. I have a core training ebook that comes with a few workouts that can help you get stronger from the inside out. It helps make your core stronger from your spine all the way out to your big muscles. I have a great workshop on glute reboot, how to train your glute muscles. And I am so excited about this, guys. I really am so excited about this because I just finished my new ebook and my new education program, Exercise Program Design for the Fountain of Youth. It's how to use exercise to slow down the aging process. That is so cool. So check down the show notes. I got all the detail down there. 
That's how you can financially support the podcast. No information behind a paywall. No words from advertisers. Just me giving you this pitch. If you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe to it, give it a review, or you can support it with buying some of the content. I'll have additional ways. I have additional resources right after the interview. I have a YouTube channel. I have other resources that you can use to help learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. This is a phenomenal interview with one of the leading educators of the fitness industry. Now that, now that I'm doing what I'm doing, I get to travel around and it is so much fun to bump into Carlos at various conferences. We were in Thailand together a few years ago. I see him around the United States and we speak at different events. And this is a fun chance to sit down and catch up with one of the biggest influencers in my career. And I'm sure you'll see why over the course of the interview. So here we are with Juan Carlos Santana. Today, I'm sitting down with Juan Carlos Santana, coach, educator, and master athlete based out of South Florida. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a uh, kind of a little bit of explanation about what you do? Um, well, what do I do? I've uh, been a gym owner here at this location for 15 years. I've written 15 books, uh, produced over 70 DVDs. Uh, our educational materials are in about 37 countries now. So I own a gym. I educate personal trainers throughout the world and uh, pretty much, and, and I'm a dad of four, you know, pretty much the real simple life, but it's, it keeps you quite busy. You know, I mean, that's, and that's one thing um, my, my, my listeners may not be too familiar with you um, just because I'm, I, I do reach out. I know a lot of people in the fitness industry kind of have an, an idea of you and your background, but as a, uh, as a coach and as a personal trainer, like what's your approach? How would you describe your approach towards fitness? What are you known for? Simplicity, simplicity. Uh, I've, I've done the complete, you know, 360. You start simple. You know everything about simplicity because that's all you know. Then you learn complexity and then you figure out that most of the complexity doesn't even work the way they sell it. <laughs> and there's so much that you don't know that really to make any kind of statement is, is almost idiotic at times. And then you come back to this. I'm back to pushups and I'm back to squats and I'm back to pushing cars, which I did in 1975. You know, I pushed uh, first pushed an Impala, big Impala, Chevrolet <laughs> Impala in 1965. When I saw it in um, uh, Black Belt, uh, uh, Black Belt magazine, a judo um, player, super heavyweight, pulling and pushing cars. And that's how it started. Is that what back, you... back in 1975, man. That's and see, that's it's kind of funny you say that because my theme for this year has been kind of basics, getting back to the basics. Because I, I really think we've gotten way too complicated. And so, what do you mean keeping it simple? Like, what do you like when you work with clients? And what type of clients do you usually work with? We work with everybody. We work with grandmas. We work with attorneys, with doctors, with moms, um, with professional men and women. We work with uh, junior athletes in the ten to fourteen. Um, age range. We, we work with uh, college athletes and we work with pro athletes. So we work with, with, a, with a whole gamut. We're kind, of a, we're kind of a young gym because my son, who's 26, he was born here in Boca. So when he goes out to visit his friends, his friends are now coaches and teachers in the local high schools. So when he goes in and we volunteer for the school, before you know it, we're ingrained in like six or seven local schools. So the athletes come here. Of course, when the athletes come here, the parents follow. So it's a beautiful uh, type of um, philanthropic entrepreneurialism that we have going on, which was the name of a course that I did about 10 years ago at the, uh, at the ECA conference, yeah. uh, philanthropic entrepreneurialism. And it's how you 
you can make money as a byproduct of being philanthropic and, and working with your community and, and being of service. Being of service doesn't mean you have to starve to death. So we have found a very, very nice way where we can be of service first and then capture the rewards of the thank you that usually the people you are serving will, will give you. Uh, so and, and by be of service, does that mean you volunteer your time with some of the schools and some of yes. the kids programs? Yes, yes. We have a great 28-day program that we do with them, uh, but we have a, a systematic approach to um, not only serve the community, but to expose them to the elite training systems and equipment that we have here at IHP. Of and, course, if you do the job with passion and you change lives and, and, you, and you're of service, you have this, this of service gratitude that you give back, uh, you're going to get inquiries, and when you get inquiries, then then yes, of course we train adults. Yes, of course we can help your child. Yes, of course we do this. Yes, of course it's affordable. Bang, you know. But you got to be ready when that happens for you to understand. Okay, here's the opportunity. Here's where your gratitude for for your life and gratitude to the community. This is where it's paying off. You have to recognize that now it's it, coming back. And, and something because I've known you for a long time. Are you starting to get sec- the second generation now? Are you starting to get like people that have been longtime clients coming in with their kids now, older, oh, yeah. like in junior high and high school? We're on our second generation. I mean, we've got them 96 years years old that we put them in the grave, and we got kids who are literally being born here in IHP. That so, yeah, awesome. we're well into We've been here for 15 years. I've been in Boca doing this for 20 professionally after I graduated. Uh, well, I actually graduated in 95, 94, so, yeah. Yeah, 20 some odd years professionally here in Boca, plus we can add another 20 years of being an athlete and a coach and a trainer before I, in my other life, you know, <laughs> before I went back to school at 32, you know. And what type of athlete were you? What, what was your sport? Always combat. Unfortunately, I was not a skilled, <laughs> a skilled um, athlete, you know, golf or tennis. And my mom wanted me to play all those sports. <laughs> She didn't want to see me brutalized, and I was like, you know, no, I want to be brutalized. And the more I get brutalized, the more I enjoy it. So, <laughs> so you were because you did what judo or jujitsu? I started with kung fu at uh, thirteen, and then I went into wrestling. Then I went to kickboxing. Then I went into boxing. Then I went into uh, back to judo because judo and wrestling were were almost simultaneously because I was using one to help me with the other. And all my initial friends and, and all my teammates in my first wrestling team were all, I would say six out of the 11 were all black belts. Oh, wow. So, you know, I, I was taught a lot by them and I saw them win matches with, with judo. And I was like, I got to I got to add that to my arsenal. And um, then, you know, Olympic weightlifting was the only non-combat sport that I really competed at the national level. OK, I didn't I didn't realize you did. Uh, you did O lifting. So basically you're then doing kind of MMA before MMA came on the scene. Would that be oh, yeah. that'd be fair to yeah. say? Yeah. Bruce Lee had his Jeet Kune Do. And if you see Enter the Dragon, what they were doing was mixed martial arts when in that opening scene, when when he had the Jeet Kune Do gloves and he was just in a little bathing suit and everything was a go. It was punching, kicking, takedowns. Remember that they put him in an arm bar and he got away from the arm bar, biting the guy's leg. So he was he was into real MMA, not not rules MMA, wide open, you know, Krav Maga type of MMA. Now, he had, was 
that back in back in the late sixties, early seventies. Now, has the explosion in the popularity of MMA has that was that a surprise? I mean, because I don't know about you, but I never thought you know from the nineties when you had the videotapes of the original UFCs when it was totally underground to where it is now. I wouldn't have thought I, it had been that that popular. I've been calling that since nineteen ninety eight. I've been after Chris from Perform Better to do something, to do something, to do something. In 2001, I said, this is going to blow up. And it's been blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. And now, finally, I'm going to do the MMA certification with the Perform Better. After, I don't even know, 16 years of me hounding Chris Poirier from Perform Better. This is coming. This is coming. This is coming. Well, here it is. And so what's that MMA certification going to involve? What uh, What's that going to entail for oh, people who want to pursue it's that? It's awesome. It's, it's um. It's a training system that evolved from the challenges that I had. You know, I used to train people, you know, like everybody, everybody, other strength and conditioning coach. You you gave, made them strong. You know, you get combined some traditional lifts with some maybe functional training and some Olympic lifts, philosophy, explosive power. And if you needed cardio, you ran 300-yard shuttles or you gave them a Versa Climber hit here and there, bang, boom, done. And that was my power endurance cycle, basic, you know. But... Um, all of a sudden, we we had Marcus Aurelio who got hurt, and he got hurt before um, a big big uh, tournament in Japan. And it was back in the day it was a tournament. You had to fight five times to win it, seventy thousand dollars. Back when UFC was fifty thousand. Yeah. Zest tournament was seventy five G's, so it was a huge tournament. And if he won that, um, Pride was going to give him a contract. So he gets hurt. And now we got to train him fight, fight conditioning without fighting. And this is the first time that I ever thought of creating sports specific circuits and then and then train cardio in its true fashion outside of the standard versa climber hits, aerodyne hits, 300 yard shuttle hits, that kind of stuff. In other words, training cardio with fight-specific cardio, which is isometric contraction, changes of level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To make a long story short, we trained Marcus Aurelio for six weeks without sparring. He could not spar. He separated a rib. So we trained him for six weeks, and he won Zest. And then he went on to Pride, and he upset uh, uh, Takanor uh, Gomi uh, for for uh, for a non-title fight. And, and that created our style of training totally outside of, of everything that, that's been seen in this. And now we have cut the sparring down to uh, almost nothing because you don't need to spar. Traditionally, sparring was used to get in fight shape. Well, needless to say, if you're fighting to get into fight shape, you're going to have a huge risk of injury. So now we're pro technique and tactics for training. Let me condition them because I can condition them, them more than any sparring, than any sparring with absolutely no risk of injury. All right, sorry to cut in here, but I am super excited about this. I've been planning this for a while. I'm getting ready to launch it soon. Please check down below in the show notes. Yes, I've been promoting my book, Smarter Workouts, through the podcast, but starting soon, I'm going to be doing in-home training using Smarter Workouts. I'm putting up together a six-week workout program, a six-week home exercise program, where I will be coaching you via Zoom of how to do workouts from the book, Smarter Workouts. The price is still being determined. I'm looking at pricing a little bit less than $200. So it's going to be 18 sessions over six weeks, three sessions a week. 
If you can't make the live session, they will be recorded. You will have access to that. What we will do is we'll go through different workouts each week, and I will teach you how to progress the workouts on your own. Think of it as about 80% of a workout group and 20% book club where you can ask questions. You can get feedback about what you want to learn about designing exercise programs. And since we'll be doing it via Zoom, I'll be coming into your house. I can help you learn how to use the exercise equipment you have much more efficiently. That's going to be the Smarter Workout Small Group Training Program coming soon via Zoom. Check below in the show notes. Go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for the mailing list. I will send you a chapter of Smarter Workouts, and you'll be kept up to date on the small group training programs. Hey, what a great way. You can get in shape and learn how to exercise on your own all at the same time. So all you got to do is one six-week workout program with me. I will teach you how to design exercise programs that work for you and your body. Now let's get back to the interview. And that's and, and so just so and, and sorry to cut you off there, but just to kind of to bring this up for for listeners, you were one of the first ones who really advocated like certain you know kind of very dynamic circuits. I'm not you know circuit training goes back 30, 40 years with Nautilus, but you you know a number of years ago you're doing medicine balls, you're doing stability balls, you're doing bands, and so it's fair to say, and I, I can I can say this that that when you look at places like Orange Theory, that's basically an evolution of what you were doing in your in your fitness studio. I mean, would that be accurate to say? Um, it's a different no. version because I mean, you weren't doing, you weren't doing using treadmills. You weren't doing the exercises they were doing, but you've, you've been a long proponent of doing like circuits and doing complexes. Yes. Doing complex. I started, I, I did the first complex, um, uh, dumbbell training in the in NSCA history as one of my, from the field presentations back in 1993, 94, something like that. And then, um, and then I, I designed Fit Moves, but Fit Moves was a circuit centered around the four pillars. We never had cardio inside the Fit Moves circuit because the fact that you were moving in circuit fashion already had the cardio. Yeah. So now we started giving you functional cardio because how many times have fighters, especially this is really the, the mistake is really made with the fighters who especially have isometric contractions, the wrestlers and the judo players and jujitsus. You get these guys and they run six miles to get conditioned and all of a sudden they tie up with somebody and they're dead tired and they're going, I don't understand why I'm tired. I'm running six miles a day because the mechanism by which your heart rate goes up is different. An isometric contraction will get your heart rate up to 200 just like running, but one will not prepare you for the other. Because we, we know it works for basketball players because they run for a living. They don't tie up for a living. So all of these all of these things we took into consideration. We said, you know what? If you get tired from function functioning, then functioning should be part of the conditioning. And if you put functioning back to back to back to back in circuit fashion with incomplete recovery, voila, there's everything, all the gibberish you hear. There's your VO2. There's the pushing the lactate threshold to the right, blah, 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 which to me is all meaningless anyways. Because if, if VO2 was that important, then the guy with the highest VO2 would always win the Tour de France, and he doesn't. If lactate threshold was the same, then all these highly trained lactate monitored people would win, and they don't. So at the end of the day, your conditioning has to be just like hyphen the NBA, you got to be tall enough. But once you're past 6'8", 
it doesn't determine success. So, uh, you know, a shooting guard that's 6'8 is no better than a shooting guard that's 6'10. You can't say, shooting guard is 6'10. Oh, he's better because he's taller. No, he's not. So at some point, you got to have enough lungs. But once you get enough lungs, whether you get 82 VO2 or 78 VO2 or 86 VO2, it's not going to matter. And so how does that how does that translate to the average person? So if someone someone comes to you who wants to lose weight or wants to get in shape, you know, you, you've been training their kid for a sport and they just say, all right, I'm, I'm ready to, to get in shape. How do you use that to help like somebody who's in their 40s or 50s to, to get back to a good fitness level? What's that look like for them? That now you're speaking to something that I don't even know if you want to get into. <laughs> How so? Which is my next my next five years of coaching. The reason that I've come I've gone back to simple is because I don't need anything complex to get what I want out of training. The question is, what do I want out of training? What is training? What problems are walking into gyms? And this gets almost weird. I'm gonna try not to make it weird. And this is a whole this is a whole different interview. But in, 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 my, in my healing and in my evolution as a human being, I've come to, to realize that people are coming into a gym to fix spiritual problems, for lack of a better word. I know spiritual is a real, really weird word. So maybe we can call it spirit emotional, where it's your emotions, your spirit, whatever it is, okay? Bottom line is, when people are overweight, why are they overweight? Because they overeat. Okay. Oh, it's an education issue. No, it's not an education issue because everybody that overeats knows that they're overeating and they know that what they're overeating is not good. So it's not an educational issue. No, nobody here thinks that Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's is conducive to a lean body that's healthy. Nobody on this planet at this point, certainly not the people coming in to get personal training who are for the most part educated. So why are they overweight? They're overweight because they're addicted to food, and usually of all the foods, you're not addicted to protein, you're not addicted to fiber, and you're not addicted to vegetables and vitamins. You're addicted to sugar, which, depending on which study you, you, you read, is much more addictive than to, to heroin, and that's even free. You know, heroin costs money, and you can go to jail. Sugar is free. So people are stressed out for many reasons. The question is why? Well, were they mistreated as a little baby? Did they lose their girlfriend or their husband? Whatever it is, they've got emotional and spiritual issues that they try to quash with substances, okay, or processes. You can be addicted to a process and you can be addicted to a a substance. People that come in are addicted to substance, which is food. Food is chemical, man, like cocaine, like a Valium, like a like I, I oxycodone, it's it's a it's it's a it's it's a chemical and it has huge impacts on on the brain. So when somebody's you know sit at ten o'clock and they're going, all right, my life sucks or I'm not happy or I don't have I'm happy the way I look, I'm not making enough money, whatever it is that's tormenting them, they soothe themselves with either a beer, scotch, um, you know, pot, uh, food, rice, ice cream, whatever. When you do that for ten years, bro. You're 30 pounds overweight. Then you come to Carlos and say, you know, show me uh, some good training techniques or you go to CrossFit. I need to drop 20 pounds. Why is the weight loss industry an utter failure three three years out if they've dropped the weight? Three years out, everybody, like 95% failure rate. Why? Because they can't sustain, they cannot sustain the non-addiction. They lose the weight. Everybody's got a one-hour wrap. Everybody's got a one-month diet. 
They'll fo- they'll follow it. They drop 10, 15 pounds. Everybody's happy. Why can they not sustain it? There's because no, there's no long going. There's no ongoing connection. Because they haven't dealt with the underlying issue. They dealt with the education issue, and they thought they could they could strong arm it. They thought they could discipline their their spiritual aches away. You cannot discipline that. You got to deal with your issues and know what they are, accept what they are. You got to do a lot of spiritual work, man. You got to do it. You got to do it. If not, if not, you're not going to know when you're reacting to a trigger and then when you're using food to self-medicate. Ha. All right. And now athletes, the same, the same thing. What separates an at one athlete from the other one? Basically, Maybe one can take more pain than the other one. And if the technique of one doesn't wear the doesn't wear my guy out, my guy's gonna beat him because my guy can go to the hole. But I work spiritually on this, on the present, the the, the past, the future. Uh, when they scrunch their face, I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what is that? You know, scrunching the face and then screaming and ah, all this, that's suffering. Okay, who identified that as suffering? Who identified that as pain? That's your definition. Where did that definition come from? From the past. The the same place that definition came from, all your limitations came from. And that's the past. That's no longer here. So you are running your present present, um, mode of operation through a past evaluation that is even gone. How is that possible? And what's future? What, what's worse is you're projecting you're projecting it into the future. So when you're scrunching your face, you still want to have one or two or three or four reps in you, but you're already suffering the future. So we we use exercise and training to really really transcend spiritually, and that makes a huge that transforms people. That doesn't transform body. That transforms people. That's why people when they come and experience IHP, they don't leave. Because it's not a gym, man. This is a different experience. Because that's what we're teaching. That's where my fitness is going. And and, and you know, because that's that's funny. I've had this conversation with a number of people, and they're they're and you know, I mean, you and I have both studied under Gary Gray, and we know that Gary makes a foundation. Gary is very spiritual in in terms. He talks about the body and the mind and the spirit. That if you don't have that connection with what you're doing, so where do you see? You know, so with that. Is it? Do you guys um, propose? Do you guys are you guys proponents of meditation? How do you see meditation playing in in fitness? Meditation's awesome, but it's the hard way there. It's the hard way there, bro. That's why to become a yogi or to become an expert uh, meditator, you know, you need years. Because what's meditation? Me- meditation is being in the moment, in the present. Find your breath. That's the essence of yoga. Find your breath. Right? Okay. But it's very hard to find your breath when I don't have enough money. What am I doing tonight? Do I have to pick up the babies? All that comes in. So to let all of that go and clear your mind and be in the present moment is a huge art that you have to learn. But there's a shortcut that we use at IHP and that everybody uses, but most trainers are not aware. So, for example, 30 seconds on the Versa Climber, man, when you come off, you don't have any financial problems. What What are you thinking about? You know what you're thinking about? Nothing. You're thinking about what? Breath. Where can I get my next breath? Bingo, I've got you there. I can explain to you that this present moment has no crisis for you because you're in the moment. This is what this moment brings. Just this moment. Just your breath. Just your concern for getting another one. And then 
once that happens, there's your teachable moment and say, you see, this is the present moment. Let me introduce you to the present moment. This is where no crisis exists. All right. So when they get back on the Versa Climber, if they sabotage themselves at 20, 25th second or the 20th second and they start scrubbing their face and giving up, I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Relax your face. Get in that moment. Get in that moment. You've got three more. I got you. You just stay there for me. Bah, 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 30. Then you bring them off and you say, OK, what happened? Did you die? All the scrunching the face. I was like, ah, ah, ah. was that was that even real? No, it wasn't real. You did 30 seconds. You got five more feet. So what was the difference? There's your teachable moment. You see, you no longer sabotage the future with past BS experience that doesn't even exist. It's a figment of your imagination that you've been bringing along forever. Okay, so you have to understand that when you have situations in your life, your family, your kid gets upset, you get upset with your partner at a coworker or whatever, you can't bring the past. You gotta be in the present moment, right? And don't sabotage the future. Stay in the present moment. Look at the person and see why. There's a reason they're acting this way. They're not doing it to me. They're doing it for a reason. And that way you don't get all the past. So when somebody does that, it's because they disrespect me. How dare they? And it's all this past judgment. Boom, projecting into the future. I'm going to show them that how dare they do that. And, and you get into, into issues. So this is this is my new era of coaching. I am I, I know what I want to do, but I have not put it in the periodized coaching format yet like I do my training system. So that is what I'm in the process of doing now. The next five years will be um, dedicated to my spirit emotional program, which is using exercise the way um, religious disciplines use prayer. So if you go to Sri Lanka, they, they walk six, four, five kilometers with swords through their face and you know, hanging fruit from their from their pierced uh, chest or back, lashing themselves in a trance. All traditional, from from meditation to fasting to pray praying and on your knees in in you know hard surfaces without knee pads uh, to uh, total body suspension, and the the list goes on and on and on to self induced suffering for the purpose of spiritual transcendence. Well, it's like that. It's like that pain, and it's funny because I've been doing some reading on this. It's like that pain, whether it's physical or whether it's emotional, creates a, a separation, creates kind of a mind-body separation that allows you to kind of understand and, and be. Because I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people miss being here in the moment. And you know, a phrase that I've heard, you know, and I've been sober. You don't know this about me, but I've been sober a long time. And one things you know, you talk about in meetings is if you have one one leg in tomorrow one foot in tomorrow, one foot in yesterday, then you're crapping on today. And yeah. so one of the things that you learn about through a recovery program is you learn just like of how to let things go and how to be in the moment and just, you know, what do you bring to the table? And it sounds like you, your, your training has evolved. So the physical is just a means to get to the real truth of it. And, and so, have you, so have you seen the people that make that turn that corner? What kind of results do they get? They, it's 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 incredible. It's a transformation. There's no other word for it other than a transformation. But it's not a physical transformation. Like you say, we use the exercise as the stimulus by which we teach them what the present moment is. And and think about this. Look, uh, staying in the present moment, where, where if you read all the big guys from, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Hawkins to Deepak Chopra to Actor Tolley and everybody in between. The present moment has no crisis. This is where you have to stay, all right? So 
if you let's say do a workout with a person that has 300 reps and then for those 300 reps you are um, giving them instructions up with your face tighten your core bring it all the way back your shoulders back up there keep your breathing face here man every rep every rep they they're listening to you and they're trying to follow instructions they're not somewhere else every rep is an ability that they're learning or a practice at maintaining the present moment and listening to you, making adjustments in the presence of stress. So in other words, every rep is the practice of staying in the moment in the presence of stress. There's no way if they get three workouts a, a, a week and they're doing 900 reps of present training, present moment conditioning, there's no way that that person's gonna be the same person. You can't, you can't. That's like having somebody run 30 miles a, um, a week and not expecting that, them to be better cardiovascularly. Impossible, impossible. So the, the thing is, we already do it and people say, you know, this is the best hour of my day. All personal trainers, whether they teach this or not, they get all these client compliments. Uh, this is the best part of my day. You've changed my life. I don't know what I would do without you, blah, 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 blah. Because we're doing all of this organically without even coaching it. Now, imagine if we become aware of what we're doing, we have a system of delivery, purposeful coaching, all right? So we can take all the teachable moments that we, that, that we don't even utilize because we're not aware of them and take all those teachable moments and drop, bam, drop that wisdom, drop that wisdom, drop that wisdom, drop that wisdom. What happens to an individual that practices this a thousand times um, a, a thousand times a week? You know, they're going to be more even keeled. Their, their relationships are going to improve without you even giving relationship advice. So basically, you know, if, if I'm hearing you again, the what I'm thinking of is if you get better at, at working through the discomfort of what you're doing right now. So if somebody gets better and can make it through the 30 second, the 30th second of the Versa Climber, then when they get back to work and they have that uncomfortable situation with a boss or with a client or when they get home and have that uncomfortable situation with a family member, are they better prepared for that? Are they better able to kind of handle themselves because they built up that confidence with you in the gym? They naturally do, but they do more now because we explain to them the similarity between the 30 seconds of the Versa Climber, what they felt, how they, how they define their feelings. Where did that definition come from? Came from the back came from the back, it came from the past. Okay, your perception of what this person means when they answer you abruptly or when they give you the finger in traffic or whatever it is, where did that come from? That came from the same place that the that the evaluation of pain or discomfort or, oh my God, this is where it gets hard. Oh my God, in 15 seconds, I'm gonna throw up and you don't throw up. But all of that information comes from the same place, the past. And what does that information do, okay? It sabotages the moment, the now, so it, by definition, has to sabotage the future. You jump into the future. Ah, they're trying to disrespect me. Who do they think they are? And it just runs away. Instead of taking it right here, what it is. This is painful? No, it's not pain. It's uh, emotion that is associated with hard work, okay? Now, when you're two years old, nobody's taught you about pain yet. So when you run and you're playing tag, you run till you friggin' drop, bro. You can't even breathe. And these kids are laughing. Why? Because they didn't put that value on it. But when you get older and you throw up 
and you go, oh, my God, then now you start putting a value. You start putting a definition on this emotion. How come the kid feels the same thing that you that you do and he celebrates it and you sabotage the future and you stop and you give up? And if you're a fighter, you give up, you die. If you're a soldier, you give up, you die. If you're in your house, you give up and you get divorced or you give up or there's a fight. You give up, you lose an opportunity for a great time. So it's listening to that sabotaging voice that we learn. Understand that it's a learned behavior. It's not fact. It's what you assigned it, what you learned along the way. And all of that is that way. What a relationship is. What do I, what do I settle for? Uh, who loves me? What is love? How do I show love? How do I want love shown back? Um, what's hard work? You know, what's dedication? What's being a good employee? What do I expect from an employer? What will I accept and what will I not expect? What am I self-worth? What, where is that? All of that, all of that has been constructed through an artificial movie that's called your life. It's all gone. And we're the only animal that if we make a mistake, that guilt, man, we carry that penance. We, we carry, we carry that, that, that guilt and we carry that punishment the rest of our lives if we don't watch it. And we're not very good at forgiving ourselves. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question because that's, a, you know, we talked a little bit earlier before we started recording and, and you work with mixed martial arts athletes and you've worked with a number of athletes. Do you think the top performing athletes, and we can even say this because I know you've worked with some very successful business professionals as well. Do you think the top performers are the people who are able to let the, whatever happened yesterday or whatever happened last match, I might've gotten beat last match, but I'm not worried about that because I'm here, I'm in the moment and I'm focused on the now. Last quarter may have crushed me from a business perspective, but I'm not worried about that because I'm focused on the day. Do you think that ability is what sets like the average person apart from top performers? You know, what do you see that's different from people who are top performers in their field? I've seen top performers of different um, flavors. For example, I have seen the totally dysfunctional top performer where his entire life has gone to crap. All right. But they're able to channel the energy, the anger, the fear, the anxiety, all that, and channel it into business. And they're extremely successful business people and emotionally bankrupt. I've seen the top performer, but you gotta, you gotta say, okay, top performer in what? In what? I've, I work with the special forces and I've seen top performer special forces that have been divorced four times and, mm-hmm. and on the verge of alcoholism and some of them even committed suicide on the comeback. They can't live in the real world. Why? Because they can't accept what you and I would accept. You and I would accept uh, taking our kids to a soccer game and not being the king dangling there. And the king dangling is the guy who owns the Ferrari that sponsors the team whose kid sucks and his kid <laughs> gets more playing time than yours and mine who are better than his kid. And you know what? This is society. Yeah. You have to sit down, do the best you can and, and you know, and cradle your kid and love your kid if he doesn't get play time because the Ferrari kid is is playing. OK, some of these special forces guys can't take that. They can't take that. Because they see that as insignificant. They can't take being in line and waiting. They can't take uh, uh, somebody talking to them in a, in, in a disrespectful manner. So they'd rather they run from what they see as you and I see it as normal. That's part of being society. They see it as being um, uh, unacceptable or, or seen as being indifferent. They're, they're indifferent. They're, they don't have any value. And they'll run in the direction of a beheading 
before they run in the direction of a, what you and I would say, this is normal life. This is this is all cool. This is fine. We're still going to go to TGI Fridays and we're still going to have ice cream. We're still going to have a great time. You know, this is just a game. They, they can't take that. Hmm. So um, we've seen those individuals that that can channel. You just got to be very careful because some of these people are driving really hard in one aspect of their life because they're running from another aspect so fast. It's like a scared animal. They'll go through a glass window. They'll go through a bob wired fence if they're running from something that they fear. So there's a quite a there's a different feel between the scared animal and the animals is just running with the herd and super happy and they're jumping over 30 foot fences. No problem. Versus one running through a glass window. So how does so, how, how does one that kind of change that mindset to go from running to fear towards running towards kind of a commitment? Like I'm running because I want to get better today. I'm running because I want to get that one percent better instead of I'm running because I'm avoiding the pain. Whatever whatever happened behind me, whatever I'm trying to I'm, you know because there are people that get busy at work. There are people that get busy. They let their work take over their life to disassociate from other stuff going on. Right. But what makes it what do you and you're what you've seen? What makes that top performer? That person who can walk out of the ring or walk off the competition and and be a normal person, kind of how like what do you think sets them apart? Um, there, I, I you know what I've seen both, so I don't I don't know if there's any one thing that I can identify because I have both. I have both guys. I, I have bo- I have the guy who's very very well centered, super family guy, real chill, and I have the guy who's a top performer that that's basically a, a runaway train. And you've seen them. The runaway train sooner or later ends up in jail, ends up beating a wife or something like that. It's it, you've seen it. Yeah. it. It's insane, you know. Uh, ends up broke, you know. And then then you see these guys that, um, you know, because let me tell you, man, to be a fighter, you know, there there's 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 some there's some stuff, there's some stuff going on inside because that's just not a normal, that's not a normal state of mind. For you to step into a ring and pummel somebody to near death and then shake their hand and go have a beer. That's just not a normal quality in a human being. It's not. It's a very, very unique per, uh, a, a profile, you know, very unique profile. So being a former combat athlete, I'll tell you, once once I did some the, some spiritual stuff, I, I don't know if I could fight anymore because I just don't have I don't have that that killer instinct in me because that killer instinct is, is, is dead or is slowly dying because I'm in a different state of mind after all the spiritual work I've done. And I've seen it in, for example, Vitor Belford. Vitor Belford, as you know, is a born-again Christian, and he teaches uh, Bible studies every Wednesday, you know, real good guy and all that stuff. And, and he's, he's reached a different level of spirituality, and at the same time, He's going down in, in his fighting capabilities, and he still physically has it because I've seen him. Physically, he still has it. I just don't think he has it mentally anymore because it's it's hard to love your fellow man and beat the living daylights out <laughs> yeah, of your that, fellow Yeah, that is a paradox. That's a major so, paradox. But in sport, you can only mentally juggle that for a certain amount of time. And then when you get to a certain level of transcendence, of forgiveness, of compassion, that that, that just goes in the ether. You know, that just evaporates. And I've seen it. I've seen it. That's that's you amazing. Know? Well, let's just pause here real quick for a, for a quick break, um, a, you know, for a quick commercial break. Then we come back. I want to talk about your book, uh, Functional Training. 
You got it, brother. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an Active Motion Bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you www.activmotionbar.com. Dude, that, I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing to see. Um, all right. I'm, so- I'm telling you, it, it, it's um, it, there, there's a lot of questions that I don't have. And that's why I'm not coaching this yet. Yeah. Because there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown. It's like it's like testosterone therapy. Okay, so, you know, once upon a time, we just thought it was cholesterol. Now we have good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. Okay, now we have good particles and bad particles in good cholesterol, and we have the same thing in the bad cholesterol. Now we've got uh, inflammatory markers, so you can have high cholesterol, and if your inflammatory markers are great, ah, forget it. <laughs> it there's just so much that you're, you're going, my God, how do I figure out the, the trillions of cells just by looking at uh, 30 different panels on blood? <laughs> And that, that that comes back to keeping it simple. I mean, that comes back to your theme of simplicity. So, yeah. so we're back now, and I want to talk about uh, your your book, your book, Functional Training. What uh, what do you go through? I mean, one of the things that that you've taught for years is the four pillars of human movement. You know, right. what are those, and, and why why are those important to uh, to exercise? Well, you know, when, when you're looking at training the body functionally, you're going to improve the body's function. When you're looking at personal trainers. Uh, initially, we look at the biomechanical functions. We want to make the back stronger, the shoulders stronger, blah, blah, blah. So the biomechanical function, if you want to train the body functionally, you go, okay, what is the function? What is the utility? What does this body do? What do I have to improve specifically if I'm going to train it functionally? So you go, okay, the body has unlimited movement. So you can't create unlimited exercises. So you got to put everything in drawers, make things simple. So I came up with four different things that the body does that if you train those things, you're going to be in in really, really good biomechanical shape. And that is locomotion, which is the fundamental human being movement. Okay. As bipedal animals, if you're going to fall, you got to get there first. You know, Uh, if you're going to shake can, if you're going to pick up something, you got to. I get there first. So that's locomotion. Uh, the second thing is level change. Whether you're falling down or you're picking something up, level changes is, is the next one. Pushing and pulling. There's a reason why these two movements are in the same pillar. And that is when, from a locomotion perspective, one arm goes forward, the other one goes back. So it's a push-pull. When you throw, when you throw a spear, you use a bow. You push with one, pull with the other. So normally in the human uh, realm, whether, whether if you're creating rotation or you're locomoting, you're always pushing and pulling simultaneously. So that's why I put those two in, in the same pillar. And then, of course, rotation brings everything in. So locomotion, when you take a step, you change your level right out automatically. At the same time, one arm goes forward, one arm goes back, you push-pull. And when you're moving upper and lower extremities in opposition, you've already got core rotation. So that's why the four pillars are in the order that they're in. And it's all based on uh, locomotion. And see, that's, I haven't heard you, I haven't heard you break that down for years. And it's funny because I've been, you know, when I was at ACE, we came up with kind of the five squat lunge, push, pull rotation. And I always teach that as a component of gait. And I've been doing something where I took video of my daughters learning how to roll over, learning how to crawl, learning how to walk to break down those movements in, you know, that, that if we learn to walk, everything we need to know about movement 
is, is in walking. Every muscle we use, every muscle in our body is designed to be most effective when we're walking upright against the ground. Would you agree with that? At 100%. We're bipedal animals. So we have figured, we've taken running or walking and centered everything that is powerful around that movement. Awesome. Because if you look at the, at the orientation of the, of the human body, most of the muscles are diagonal and horizontal. And even the vertical limbs, your legs and your arms, as soon as you start running, they start going diagonal. And they start rotating. So there's no, there's nothing sagittal about this body. Zero sagittal about this body. Everything, uh, like I say, you know, replays are are made out of rotation. And so, when you look at that, so when people are training, they should basically be trained to break down walking, break that, break down gait, and make their gait pattern better. Would you agree with that? I mean, it kind of in essence that you're breaking down those components of, of what helps us walk, being on a single leg, pushing, pulling, rotating. And right. order to make that more effective. Yeah, once because yeah, once you you for example, if you get on a single leg, right, and you go, okay, that's going to help my running. No, that's going to help your golf swing too, because when you're going back swing, you're going. If you're right-handed, you're you're going to go to that right hip. That's where that's where your weight-bearing leg is the right one, internally rotated. The follow-through, the break is going to be on the left. Changes of lateral changes of direction that only occurs one leg at a time. Batting, uh, batting, everything. It's one leg, one leg. So don't think because you're on one leg, you're just learning how to walk forward better. No, everything else that you do is centered around that single, single, uh, single leg uh, training, training stimulus. And that gets to the next question: What do you, you know, you identify big four sports skills? You know, what what are they? I even forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean so running changes of level, throwing. And, and, and changes of uh, direction. E- easy. Yeah. And when I say throwing, it's, it's throwing and changes of direction also includes batting. So it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the four pillars except applied to sports. Easy. And now why is this good for every individual? I mean, you know, I know you work with athletes, but for, for working with your grandmothers and working with those executives, why should somebody in their 40s, 50s, or even 70s be following this approach to exercise? That, that's be, because we all have the same body. You know, uh, automotive uh, theory is automotive theory. It's it's four wheels. It's combustion. It's electric. It's you know batteries. It's it's the same thing. So you know why wouldn't combustion help all the cars? Why wouldn't uh, four wheels and in, in alignment and balance and you know good good um, um, good driving and 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 uh, train? Why would that help every car? Because fundamentally, structurally, there's nobody's bicep that attaches to the jaw. You know, I mean, come on, everybody's bicep is identical. Some bigger, some, but they, they, it originates and inserts in the same place. The function is the same. So if you're training for function, the, you, you, you train the person to be as athletic as possible. And athletic means you're in control of your body. You're in control of the four pillars. And then you let the person use that athleticism as, as they will. So you train grandma to be as athletic as possible. I train grandma to basically wrestle within grandma's capability. So how's grandma going to use that athleticism? She's going to go home. She's going to play shuffleboard. She's going to go up the stairs, do laundry, play with the grandchildren. That's it. Grandma ain't going to try to pick up no car. Grandma is not going to try to, you know, run, uh, you know, a hundred mile race if she's 85. You know, grandma's just wants to be grandma. You make her as athletic as possible and boom. Now you take an Olympic wrestler you do the same thing. You train him to wrestle. You train him to do the four pillars as hard as he can go. Then he's going to get on the wrestling mat and he's going to whoop ass. 
and you give it to the attorney. You make him, you make the attorney like ready to, to as much as he can, go win a gold medal in judo. You get him in the best condition, as best athlete as possible. Okay, what's he going to do? Well, he plays a little tennis. He plays a little golf. He maybe jogs with the bug, with the with the with the dog or the wife and what? That's it. Done. So he's going to do awesome. He's going to be the fastest attorney in his firm. Going to be the strongest guy. Uh, the day he he skis on his boat or something like that, he's going to be the superstar. That's it. That's, That's it. it. And, and you live in South Florida, so he, you've seen your share, your fair share of, of older people. And do you see like does your approach? Because one of the things that I really I want to point out is. For people of a certain age, they should be exercising. You know, put put weight loss, put put all that stuff aside, put six pack abs. Exercise can fundamentally, literally, slow down the biological aging process. I mean, we know that the way the body responds, the, the you know the the hormones we produce, the energy we have. Have you seen that? Is it do you, is is your your gym kind of considered a time machine? You know, if you will, that people walk in in their eighties and walk out in their sixties. Yeah, yeah, but within that, you got to look at the anti anti aging aging movement, and if you look at the oldest people on the planet, they're never the fittest. And and what is the body meant to do? The body's main thing is to stay in homeostasis. If you let this body do what it wants to do, it it will consume as little food as possible, to be as light as possible, to need as little room as little food as possible, and do as little possible. And that's every animal. Even sharks will look at a seal and go, okay, two passes. Any more than two passes, even if I catch the seal, it's not going to give me enough energy. And you'll see them hunt. Bang, bang, bang. Cheetahs, the same thing. Lions, the same thing. Everybody knows risk versus reward. Calories in, calories out. And everybody's doing the minimum amount possible. So if you look at the longest living populations, they're not the fittest. And if you look at the fittest populations, they have worse mortality and morbidity than the average population, like strongmen and professional athletes. They're notorious for dying early, notorious for dying early. And what do you think that is? Is that just accumulated stress on their systems? Yeah. They, They really don't know what makes a person age to begin with. You know, they're looking at the telomeres, uh, but there's different theories. You know, one theory is you're given so many heart pumps, and, that, and that, you know, and after you've used them all, you're done. Yeah. Where do you use them? Do you want to use them in marathons or do you want to use them sitting on a plane watching your 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 sheep, uh, you know, on a, on a nice hill watching your sheep and contemplating why grass is green? <laughs> that, that dude is going to have a lot less free radicals to deal with, a lot less trauma, a lot less everything. And the 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 one thing, the one thing that in every study has been 100% conclusive is the only way, the only method to uh, elongating life is reduced calorie diets to the tune of maybe half of what you need. So what happens, okay? You start, a guy like me that needs, let's say 3,000, 3,500 calories to live, I would start feeding myself 1,800 to 1,700 calories. Okay, what happens? My thyroid picks that up, then what happens? T3, T4 picks that up. Then what happens? I drop my temperature a little bit. Then what happens? I burn less calories daily. Then what happens? I can eat less food relative to when I started. But what happens? My metabolism, everything slows down. And when you slow down, you got more longevity. So reduced calories or intermittent fasting, as they call it now, is one of the main, main strategies to you know, lengthen life. 
So the sports and high training and CrossFit, that is uh, totally contraindicated for a long, long, long life in terms of years. Now, if you say, look, I don't want to be here for 120 years. I just want to be here for an act of 80. Hey, that's fine. You go choose that. But the, the fact remains that all this high-level fitness is not conducive. It is not conducive to a, a, a long and healthy life. And to go back to our earlier point, you want to be at a point where you're in a spiritual harmony with your environment with everybody else. Because if you're at a good spiritual place, then you reduce all of your stressors. You, there you go. You, you kind of mitigate that. So before, you as we wrap up, now that you, you, you know, you, you, you've had two hip replacements relatively young, from your from your you know combat sports, how have you changed your fitness? And that you've got you, we talked earlier. You know you're, you're above the the 50 year old mark. You're definitely uh, eligible for being a ARP member. How have you changed your workouts? You know with all your, all your knowledge and everything that, that you've learned, dude. I, I mean, Peter, I, I can tell you, and I can tell you this this spiritually. I just don't want to suffer anymore, uh, so I don't have these banging workouts anymore. You know, this week I'll probably walk 25 miles, you know, and, and, and now I just want to walk and think and, and be happy and think about my life and my career and my business and my children and my friends and, uh, and gratitude, living gratitude. So I can tell you right now, I couldn't fight right now. I don't have what it takes to beat somebody in the face for sport, for sport. Now, if I'm protecting my family, I got no problems, but for sport? Break your nose to send you to the hospital and, and then your kids have to see you like that at my hands for sport. I can't do that anymore. And because I can't do that anymore, I'm at peace with other people. I'm at peace with myself. I don't want to punish myself anymore. Just like I don't want to punish you in the ring anymore. I don't want to punish me anymore. I don't want to be through going pain and, and go through these workouts where the harder that I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go on a two-hour bike ride, but it's a two-hour bike ride to enjoy the sky and breathing and my bike. And, you know, I'll burn 800 calories, but I'm going to burn 800 calories the nice way. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do interval hit training and, and crush it anymore. If I feel like going fast or going up a bridge or something like that, great. I got no problems. But I don't want to do it to punish myself anymore the way I used to. That, that's you know? such, I mean, that's such an amazing concept because how many people today are going to walk into a gym and dread it? How many people are going to walk into a gym right now and dread that experience because they're there with the perception of, I did X, Y, Z yesterday. I, I ate X, Y, Z. I need to punish myself. And therefore, exercise becomes a, it's something they beat themselves up with. So it sounds Dude, like you, you've used movement in, in your approach that you're just trying to to, to kind of sum up your, your approach, you're just trying to make things you kind of live in harmony. You're, you're almost like you should be driving around in a VW bus and, uh, and peace. I mean, would that be right? You just want to live and, and be at peace and just, you know, be a part yeah. of the environment. Yeah. I, I, everybody, everybody who doesn't feel they are of value. Okay. Spiritually. Now everybody will tell you logically, I'm a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. but spiritually they don't buy into it. It's the subconscious. Consciously their, their ego, what they built to, to present to the world, their ego will talk, blah, 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 blah. but they don't live what their ego's talking because that's, that's the spirit. Okay. So when, when people eat a lot of times they eat to punish themselves. If somebody says I'm not worthy, they will live a life that, that validates that because if not, they go crazy. 
So what do they have to, if they're not worthy, what has to happen? They have to eat not worthy food. And so they, they self-medicate with food and then they feel guilty. When they feel guilty, that validates the fact that they're not worthy. They're in relationships that don't treat them well. They they're, know they're in, they're in an unhealthy relationship, but they don't love themselves enough to give themselves the right relationship. So it's, it's, they're circling down the, the drain. So maybe we can use the gym environment, all right, to stop the circling. I'm not telling you we're going to take them out of the toilet. But, you know, certainly stop the circling of a, a congested toilet, you know, and just stop it a minute and see and see if we can if we can impact people and let them know what they've been doing. Maybe if they're aware of what they've been doing, they can now nurture themselves instead of medicate themselves with food and then punish themselves because now they're fat. You know, it's like the drug addict. He knows drugs are bad, but he still does them. When he does them, he feels good, and then he punishes himself by saying, I'm a drug addict. It, it, it's, that's food. People don't understand that, but that's food. And, and, that's, I mean, and that's an important concept, and we're, we're about to wrap up here. And because I want, I want people to understand that it's more about a process. I think exercise is – I love the fact that you talked about walking, and, and you talked about making family, you know, putting family first. And you earlier you were talking about giving back to the community – because I think if we take that opportunity to become involved with the community and maybe make that part of our physical activity and make being with our family, you know, part of our physical activity, playing with our kids, going out and maybe helping our neighbors with some chores. Do you think that yeah. could help people get into a better place, not only not only kind of emotionally, but physically as well? Yes. Yes. That yeah, I, I'm walking with my kids. I never walked with my kids. I'm walking with my kids now. And my kids are digging it, man. I, did, I never thought my kids would walk four miles. They'll walk four miles. And they bring out their little speakers, and we go through the music. Oh, show me. Oh, I don't like that one, you know. Okay, play me another one. And it's four miles of, of like, good time and teachable moments. Teachable moments. That's when you can talk to your kids about not becoming a Kardashian, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, and, and being for them to be aware how pop culture, the deteriorating morals and, and principles of society, gnaw away at them, at, gnaw away at their character. So they're aware of that eroding aspect of society. So maybe they can preserve a little bit more of their divinity. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's bring this back real quick to exercise. So if I exercise purely for aesthetic sake, so if I'm going to the gym purely to make myself look better on the outside – without fixing my inside, I'm basically training to be a Kardashian. Whereas if I go with your approach and I train the four pillars, I train in movement, I, I function better, and I train just to move better, then I'm really looking to be just, I'm looking to make myself better from the inside out. Can you agree? Is that kind of what, is that an yeah, accurate way to sum but, it up? Yeah, but it's not the training technique because you can do bodybuilding, for example, do it for the right reasons and it's beautiful. Yeah. You can do functional training and say, well, I'm going to get on a diet, do functional training, and I'm going to look shredded, and then that's going to be make me better than my neighbor, you know? Yeah, then, yeah. then that's the, you know, it's like buying a Ferrari, okay? If you buy a Ferrari because you're so insecure because your next-door neighbor has a Mercedes, yeah. you're buying a Ferrari for the wrong reason. You're shallow. You're empty, and the Ferrari's not going to fulfill your cup. Now, if all your life— since you were a little kid, you've wanted a Ferrari because you've, or you're, you're a fan of a Ferrari. You love uh, Italian engineering. You love the lines and you work really hard and you finally got your Ferrari. And you go, you know, this is my gift to me. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted it and I got my degree and I got my job and I did well. And here is my gift to me. Then, then the Ferrari is awesome. 
So you come into the gym. Why are you coming into the gym? You know, most people, Peter, they don't know. Most people think I want to drop 10 pounds. No, you don't. You want to be happy. And you think the 10 pounds are going to be are going to be make you happy. Then most people will drop 10 pounds and all of them gain it back. Well, if the 10 pounds were really going to make you happy, they would have stayed off because you would have been happy. Guess what? The 10 pounds wasn't the problem. It's what put the 10 pounds on to begin with that's the problem. When you fix that, two things happen. Either the 10 pounds stay and you don't give a hoot because you're so happy, you're just lovable, or you settle back into your life and you drop the 10 pounds naturally without pain anyway. So two things are going to happen. But they come from being centered. They don't come from losing the 10 pounds. Because if you lose the 10 pounds, like like buying the, the Ferrari, you lose it for the wrong reason, guess what? You gain them back. That's And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. If people want to get this, you know, get more information about kind of about what you're doing and, and, and where you are now, and if they want to get your book, where, where's the best place to, uh, to, to kind of stay in touch with you and get, get uh, to follow you? Well, yeah, if they want to do a mentorship here at IHP, we got these killer just five-day mentorships that just you're, you're culturized and in, into this thing that we're, we're, we're talking about. And you see it done at IHP by different trainers. Then the mentorship program is awesome. And you can find about uh, find out about that at www.ihpfit.com, ihpfit.com. And uh, if you want to buy the book, you can buy it there at ihpfit.com or you can go to Amazon. But if you're going to buy the book at Amazon, please review it. Do me a favor and review it and let us know how we did. Let Amazon know how we did because it does help us. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, I really appreciate your time and I really, really appreciate you and what you're bringing to our industry and our field. Thank you, my brother. It was a pleasure. Now, imagine being a young personal trainer. You go to a conference and maybe 150, 200 people in a room. I'm serious. There'd be maybe 150 people in this huge ballroom. And Juan Carlos would be there doing a circuit training with more than 100 people exercising at the same time. And then you saw, that you saw what he was doing and how he was training people, and it was so different. Back in 2000, 2001, Carlos was using stability balls. He was using bands. He was using medicine balls. And even though I'm a big fan of strength machines and I do some consulting work with Nautilus, that stuff blew my mind. All of a sudden, here, here we are, different ways to move, different ways to train the body, different ways to challenge the body. If you've been with a trainer the last 10, 15 years working with them and they've given you some really cool, funky exercises using bands, using balls, using medicine balls, guess what? They were partially influenced by Juan Carlos. And if they weren't influenced by Juan Carlos directly, they were influenced by somebody who was influenced by Carlos. He's been around that long. He's been doing killer work. Now, if you want great information, there are a couple things you can do. One, you can pick up a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. In Smarter Workouts, I teach you what you need to know to be able to design your own exercise programs. That's right. You learn how to design metabolic conditioning, core strengthening, mobility, everything you need to know for the workout programs that make you fit, whether you're at home or you're back in the gym. That's Smarter Workouts, the science of exercise made simple. There's a link down below in the show notes. And if you buy it directly from the publisher, yes, it might cost a dollar or two more, but it's a better deal for the author. Always, whether it's me or any other author, buying it directly from the publisher, the author, it's better for the author. Because while there are other uh, re- booksellers on the internet, they discount, and that discount comes out of our pocket. So if you're going to buy Smarter Workouts, there's a link below to the publisher, Human Kinetics. And if you do buy it from Amazon, what, what Carlos said, leave a review. 
Even if you just hit the five-star review, just leave a review. Let other people know that the book had an impact. I am overwhelmed and, and so stoked at some of the reviews Smarter Workouts has gotten that really, as if, you, if you've done one of those reviews, thank you so much. And if you want to try Smarter Workouts before, and you want to try it before you buy it, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. Go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my mailing list. I will send you a chapter from Smarter Workouts, and I'll also send you a couple workouts from the book. That way you can kind of kick tires on it, look at it, see the writing, see what I got in there. And if you want to buy it, then you buy it. But go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, get a free chapter from Smarter Workouts. And if you want more exercise information, go to the All About Fitness Podcast channel on YouTube. That's the All About Fitness Podcast channel on YouTube. I'm putting up snippets from webinars I'm doing. I'm putting up workout programs that work for you. This past summer, this is I'm recording this summer 2020. I've actually been teaching, usually over the summer, I'm flying around to conferences around the world. Last year, I was in India, Shanghai, Australia, Oman, and the Middle East. This summer, I haven't. <laughs> so my airline miles are going through the toilet, but I have been doing a lot of Zoom workshops. I have been doing workshops. I did, did workshops in technically the conference supposed to be in Atlanta. Uh, there did the Chinese one. I, I did the virtual one for the, the conference in China. So I've been doing conferences this summer, but I've been doing it from the comfort of my own home here in Carlsbad, California. All that said, but I'm taking some snippets from those webinars and I'm posting them on my, on my YouTube channel so you can learn more. One of the things I want to do with this podcast is help you learn about your body and how your body adapts to exercise, especially during the aging process. That's one of the reasons why I like talking to, to Juan Carlos is Juan Carlos has been working in, in Florida, South Florida for his entire career. He knows how to work with older adults. As you get older, if you're fit, you can still maintain your fitness level. Just because you turn 50, 60, or 70 does not mean you're relegated to chair aerobics. You're absolutely not. If you're fit, you can keep working hard. You can keep training hard. That's what my next book is about, Ageless Intensity, my next book. I'm working on it right now. We'll go into the science of how high-intensity exercise slows down the aging process in your body. And what I want to do is help you understand how that works. That's why I have the information down below in the show notes. That's why I have guests like Juan Carlos on here. Is you're, getting, you're getting this from the top leaders in the industry. I'm the facilitator, but I'm going out and trying to get you the best information in the industry. And yes, I recorded this interview back in the summer of 2017, but it still works. The information is the same. Hopefully you picked up one or two nuggets in here. And the one thing I use a lot is relax your face. And it works. Anytime I'm working really, really hard, Relax your face works. It allows you to push just a little harder. Connect with me. I'm trying to create a community here. Reach out to me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. If you go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, sign up for the website. I will send you a free chapter for my book along with a workout to help you start getting in shape. You can follow along with me on Instagram, PeteMcCall underscore fitness. That's PeteMcCall underscore fitness on Instagram. And go to the All About Fitness podcast channel on YouTube and get some great exercise information to learn how to use this stuff to enhance your quality of life. And as always, thank you for stopping by. And I certainly do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.